Today, in honor of Christmas, we actually have a Christmas story for you. It is not a story about people loving and taking care of one another, though, at least not initially. It is a story really about a decades-long battle between two companies that really, it just seems so unlikely that it would be these two because these companies, they make one of the musical instruments most associated with Christmas and the Christmas spirit, handbells. Handbells, really, they're all about playing nicely with other people. Maybe you've seen a handbell choir in church around Christmas or in schools. Maybe you've played in one. But basically, you've got dozens or more people trying to play a single piece of music. And for it not to sound like a total mess, everyone has to ring the right bell at precisely the right time. In true Christmas fashion, the story does have a happy ending. But Harmony... It's so much sweeter when you have a little dissonance first. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. Today, the epic decades-long feud between two companies that make just about every handbell in the world and how they eventually made peace. This story starts before there were two companies, back when there was just one. Shulmerick in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. I went to visit. It's on a pretty grassy hill with a nice bell tower. In the 1960s, Shulmerick is busy trying to develop its very first line of handbells. And the chief engineer is a guy named Jake Malta. Malta is largely a self-educated guy and clearly pretty bright. This is his daughter, Joanne Malta. His library was full of books on music and nothing was not read. Everything in, that you could see in his office had been read and, and reread. So Malta works on the designs for Schulmerich's first bells. But then there's this change in management. Malta doesn't get along with the new bosses. And he leaves the company. The thing is, though, he cannot stop thinking about handbells. He's got this vision for a bell of supreme perfection that he hadn't quite achieved at Schulmerich. I gotta explain a little bit here about bells. A bell, when you ring it, it vibrates and produces this one central note. But you also get other notes in there called overtones. So Malta wants to try to get rid of as many overtones as he can. He wants to make a bell with a very pure sound. That was the challenge. The holy grail of bells. <laughs> yeah. So her father sets up shop in the family living room. He had a folding table, two of them stretched out with all of his drafting supplies on there, and then the piano behind him. He travels to Europe, studies old books, the physics of bells, draws diagram after diagram. Because he knew that he could make it better. And, uh, you know, we still believe that he achieved that. <laughs> Malta's new bell had a slightly different shape, and this part is key, so you have to remember it. He removed the little brass nub at the top of the bell where it attaches to the handle, a part called the tang. The result, he felt, a bell that produced an uncommonly pure, clean sound. Malta took his design, and he started a new handbell company called Malmark, just down the street from his former employer. And before we get to this decades-long war, I am going to play you what they were fighting over. This is the sound of a Malmark bell. And this is a Schulmerich bell, same note. Some experts say they can tell the difference, though they're divided over which one sounds better. 
The Bell Wars arguably began in 1976. Here is one of the first shots fired in the war. It's an ad by Schulmerich. Here, I'll read you from it. All Schulmerich handbells have a tang. This is the raised crown at the top of the bell that gives the tonal brilliance. The Malmark bell, hereafter referred to as Brand M, touts the tangless bell, saying it's a new concept in handbell design, tuning, and performance. In reality, they are weakening the tonal quality and doing it even more so when drilling a hole for the handle placement. This and other ads infuriate Jake Malta at Malmark. In fact, the reason the text of this ad still exists is because it was recorded in legal documents. Malmark sued Schulmerich over it. The two bellmakers eventually settled this lawsuit. Each of them agreed not to compare their bells to the other's bells. But this creates new problems for the people whose job it is to go out and talk about the bells and how they compare. The salespeople. Kermit Junkert in Schulmerich's sales department says these were terrifying times. Remember, neither side is supposed to compare its bell to the other, which means he can't say, for instance, our handle is solid, their handle is hollow. So the lawyers come up with a workaround, special, pretty awkward phrases that the salespeople can use without getting into trouble. For example, our handle is not hollow. Well, by saying it's not something, you would refer or infer that someone else's handle is hollow. It's like you were indirectly trash-talking the other one. Indirectly, of course. I mean, literally, there were legal teams that would write, here's what you can say, or here's what you can't say. And that was that would come about from the, whoever won the latest lawsuit. How long did that go on? Um, forever. Sometimes, he says, when giving talks, salespeople would report that they'd seen someone in the audience watching them like hawks, scribbling down notes about what they'd said. And then they'd get a letter from the other side's lawyers. Here, I actually have one. This is from the lawyers at Malmark. It has been brought to our attention that you have been making false and disparaging statements about Malmark handbells. It then lists all the things that the salesperson allegedly said. Here, I'll read a couple of my favorites. Um, Their handles break frequently. You must jump up and down on ours to break them. Uh, Here's another one. There is a problem with polishing Malmark bells. You must only polish up and down. Ours can be polished in any direction. I told Joanne at Malmark about this, and I asked her, were there really spies in the audience taking notes? I had no idea. (laughs) Uh, Certainly, you know, at the different conventions and all, uh, I I would imagine that our, our reps attending, if they heard something that was a negative about Malmark, that it would come back. And I'm sure that happened in reverse, too. There was another lawsuit over a patent, claims and counterclaims. And, of course, there was the Tang. Here's another Schulmerich ad from one of the court cases. Quote, the Tang is the raised crown at the top of each bell. And not all handbells have it, but Schulmerich handbells do. The Tang's weight and mass help produce fuller tone, greater amplitude. And here is where the lawsuits, which had started as a fight between the company's owners and spread to affect the salespeople, really begins to consume the whole company. Even the engineering department at Schulmerich got dragged into it, tasked at one point with trying to substantiate that claim that a bell with a tang was louder than a bell without a tang. And remember, these are engineers who see their job as trying to make the best and prettiest sounding bells. And now someone from legal has come in and said, hey, we've been making these claims in our advertisements. We need you to prove that they're actually true. So the engineers transform the Schulmerich Bell Shop into an experimental laboratory. 
They build all this testing equipment, including a robotic ringer that hits the bell with exactly the same force every time. Gregory Schwartz is one of the engineers who worked on this. Even remembering the whole episode makes him kind of weary. He says the result was that a tang did make a bell louder, but not very much. You're only looking at percent or two, maybe something like that. It was a couple percent louder? Maybe. <laughs> is the average Joe going to know the difference? I don't think so. It wasn't even like it sounded better. It was just slightly louder. Right. That's basically it. But that was the premise. Yeah. I see. Our bells with tangs produce more sound. Oh, yeah. And the other side said, baloney, that's not true. And we said, yes, it is true. One of the lawsuits, this was over a patent on the clapper mechanism, the thing that actually hits the bell and makes it ring. It first gets decided in Malmark's favor, and then on literally the day after Christmas gets overturned. Malmark appeals and appeals again until it is at the door of the highest court in the land, the U.S. Supreme Court. The judges just kind of threw the whole thing out and said, no, no, we're not going to waste our time with that. But they... It went back and forth for years. It was just horrendous. The U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, they tried it. They tried it. I think normally when you read about lawsuits between companies, you figure it's the result of some business calculation, some strategic decision. And maybe that was true at the beginning here, but pretty soon emotions got involved also. You know, once you get in a fight like this and you've spent a lot of money on lawyers, it can be hard to give up, especially if it gets personal. Joanne at Malmark told me it is totally understandable that her dad would appeal to the Supreme Court. He felt really wounded and wronged. Things got ugly in court. You stole this from me. No, you stole it from me. It still sort of bugs you to think about it, huh? It does, because my dad was a very honest man. Absolutely. He was, he was going to go to seminary. <laughs> you know, he, was, he was not the kind of person to steal anything. So, yeah. Was the handbell ringing world out there aware of all this? Oh, yeah. The battle at its peak stretched beyond the walls of the companies and ensnared the bell ringers themselves, the customers, who, remember, were musicians, churchgoers, elementary school music teachers. Some of them took sides more strongly than you might imagine. People at both Malmark and Schulmerich remember this kind of thing happening. But here's one story from the Malmark side, told by Tim Schubach, who had gone to an industry meeting. I had, unbeknownst to me, mistakenly said hello to a Schulmerk customer from our booth. And the customer continued to walk by and over their shoulder, not even stopping to acknowledge me, said, we're Schulmerk ringers, in a very kind of condescending way. In the end, Malmark had a victory in court. Jake Malta was awarded $2 million, though that was a lot less after you took out the legal fees. His daughter says he put a lot of the money into a handbell education fund. The Bell Wars in all, they went on for over 30 years. Peace, finally, when it came, came just with the passage of time. Jake passed away, as did the people calling the shots at Schulmerich. And a younger generation took over. Tim, who you just heard, came to run Malmark. And last summer, he got word that someone new had bought Schulmerich, someone who seemed like a very odd fit for the Bell world. When I first heard, I'm like, what? What's going on here? This is the craziest story I ever heard. The guy's name was Jonathan Goldstein, who I went to meet. 
The fact that Jonathan would be running the oldest handbell company in the country was a notable development for a couple reasons. One, he knew nothing about handbells. When I purchased the company, I knew less than nothing. I can't even read music. And two, he's Jewish. There aren't a lot of handbells in synagogues. Actually, uh, very famously for my employees, uh, right after I bought the company, I brought one of my rabbis up here thinking, you know, maybe I've missed something. And I showed him the bells and I said, how about it? And he looked around the room in his very long beard and he sort of took a minute or two and said, no, no, never, not going to happen. No, Jews just don't do this. It's just not done. (laughs) It was quite a moment. Last year, Jonathan and Tim, the new heads of both companies, found themselves at the same meeting in Cincinnati. He came up in his very Jonathan way and, and was he's not bashful at all. You know, he's uh, very gregarious and came up and, hey, I'm Jonathan Goldstein. I just bought Schulmerich. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, man? How, how, how are you? How's it, how's it going? So I said, you know, hi. <laughs> wow. Uh, my understanding is that, uh, that, that these two companies went out at hammer and tongs for a lot of years, and um, I'm just not ready to do that. It said, it seems to me that, you know, you're not my enemy and I'm not your enemy. The enemy is the 300 million people out there who don't ring handbells. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let's go get those people and, and show them what a great instrument this is and, and get them ringing. This meeting between the two, it did not go unnoticed. It was big news in the handbell world. We were observed just sort of sitting off in a corner talking and the, the whole place was a titter at the fact that, that we were even talking to each other. It was simply not done for like 20 years. Competition can be a great thing. Our entire economy is based on this idea that competition pushes us all to be better. And Jonathan and Tim both say in the most charming of ways that they want to crush each other at this game of trying to make the best handbells. But they don't want to have any ugly fights. And in that meeting, they talked about working together where they can. Because while competition is good, there's also something to be gained by being able to work together on certain things. It was, it was so welcomed. It was just like this great weight coming off of our uh, chests. This is Kermit again in sales. As is often the case after a long war, the soldiers were eager for peace. Kermit, in fact, just got a Christmas card from Malmark. It's a first, he wrote to me in an email. Cool. And when I visited, he told me something it's hard to imagine either side saying during the long decades of battle. Schulmerk bells and Malmark bells, he said, they both sound beautiful. You can even play them together. When they're mixed together, that sounds wonderful. It's a wonderful sound. This is the Sonos Handbell Ensemble, one of the few choirs that mixes Schulmerick and Malmark bells. As always, we want to know what you think. You can send us email, planetmoney at npr.org. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Spotify. And finally, in the interest of full disclosure, I should tell you that I heard about the story from my sister, who did some consulting work for Schulmerick. But like Kermit, I think both bells sound lovely. I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening.